Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. got a lot more to get to on this show and I want to talk about that in, in just a second. Um, uh, before we get to the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff, we do have a a caller on the line and it is our, uh, our one of our regulars, Terrell. Um, Terrell, this is Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. How are you, sir? How are you doing, Anthony? How are you doing, John? Pretty good. We're doing good, man. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I just really just want to say, uh, just uh, you know, we really excited about a uh, new fresh breakfast change. He's finally here. He uh, he was talking about just being razor sharp, focus, and making people accountable. And no matter who it is, the uh, superstars or the uh, you know what I mean, free agents. And uh, one thing I just want to say, like, just a couple internal things that's already on the thing already on the thing. I believe that uh damn um I believe that uh uh William William Jackson I'm 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 thinking about the safety. I don't know why I'm uh, I'm blanking about the safety the uh not not Jesse Bates but the uh, Sean Williams. Uh, Sean Williams? Yeah, Sean Williams, yeah. I believe Sean Williams was the best linebacker on the Bengals last year. Mm. I, mean, he, I mean, we already know, we already know what uh, Hardy Niggas is done for. You already know what Monte <laughs> is done for. I mean, I, uh, and Vinny Ray, you know, he, he's past his prime. And um, Je- uh, Evans, we, we give him, we, he's, he's coming along, he's coming along. But if you put at least 15 more pounds on on um, on, uh, on him, man, I'm trying to tell you. He's, he, he, he reminds me, he, I'm trying to tell you, he reminds me, he's a playmaker. He reminds me of a Jalen Smith. Put a little 15, 20 pounds on, I think he's going to be a linebacker. I really do believe that. And um, another thing, uh, I, I know uh, we, we always said we, we were trying to get Bob Tez or Dre somewhere, somehow. One of the two got to get traded. But I, I was thinking about a player that I feel like we don't really use for real. Um, not, not how we should be. Maybe uh, Zach will uh, change that, but uh, Giovanni Bernard, I y'all love him and everything like that, but we might can get some some type of uh, conversation for him. Uh, I, I, at least a second or third for him, man. Yeah. That, could, that could really do stuff for us. Awesome. Well, thanks, Terrell. We're going to answer your questions off the air. Appreciate the, uh, appreciate the call as always, my friend, and uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, 
we appreciate we we appreciate your your loyalty to, uh, to the program, my friend. Uh, we, I just want you to know that this this uh this this whole uh your whole podcast everything's going on just just when I'm telling some of my friends about you every every uh it would chance I'll get a chance to talk about you. But, That's awesome, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. That's awesome, man. I appreciate it, and uh, you know we do this. Uh, we do this for for people like yourself, so we appreciate that, and uh, we appreciate your your uh, loyalty to the program and and uh, viewership, all that good stuff. Appreciate it, man. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Um, first of all, that's awesome that I mean <laughs> he's spreading the word about. It. There's a couple of things that Terrell said that I thought was that resonated. Actually, I spoke to my brother last night, a fellow Bengals fan. We talked about Giovanni Bernard and we, we said, you know, uh, we didn't, we didn't go the route Terrell did with him in terms of trade bait. We went the other way and saying, Zach Taylor's probably a guy that can get the most out of Gio Bernard. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I think back to the Eagles and I'm thinking back to Andy Reid days. I'm thinking, you know, uh, the, the Eagles have been a pillar of, a team that has used running backs in a number of effective ways and have done so that have helped the team. And I think that that's probably what Taylor's going to do with, with the Bengals and Gio Bernard. I think, I think Joe Mixon established himself as one of the best running backs in the NFL last year. And I think you can use Gio Bernard, maybe as a kick returner, Maybe as a special teams guy, and obviously as a third down slash utility back, and I think that the Bengals need to go back to that. Yeah, do you, you mentioned the Eagles. You, you imagine using Bernard as Brian Westbrook. Yeah, Brian Westbrook, or even uh, Darren, Darren Sproles. That's the other one. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Like there's like the last four or five years of Gio Bernard has been you know, simple inside runs and then just a swing past the outside where he gets blown up in 0.2 seconds because Dalton telegraphed the throw completely ridiculously. And you have guys like Alvin Kamara running Texas and option routes out of the backfield and making linebackers look silly. And you just wonder, Brian Bernard's not that much different of an athlete than, you know, some of the other great pass catching backs in the NFL. And they, 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 they paid him like a an expensive, you know, rotational back, and they should probably use him at this point. And Terrell, to your other point with Sean Williams, watching the Patriots and the Chargers in the postseason just late down the season, like those are two defenses that don't abide by the traditional rules of NFL defenses, and they use a lot of guys who you could classify as third-level defenders as, you know, box defenders and run defenders in general that can scrape over the top and just use that explosiveness and speed closer to the line of scrimmage, the better and making those impact plays. And Sean Williams, that's his strength. And that's why I think he was kept over a guy like George Iloka to play alongside Jesse Bates to play more inside the box. I don't think Sean Williams needs the ball up to 2020 to be a, a good linebacker because a good linebacker in the NFL is not what it was 10 years ago. And you, and you can use guys all over the field and all over the box and not have to worry about them getting you know, clogged by second level blockers. You can use Sean Williams how, how the Patriots use some of their safeties and how they can just you know disguise some of their pre snap looks, run defense, and really take advantage and be a more effective defense. And that's something I hope we see. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because you know Sean. If you if you talk about Sean Williams specifically, Sean Williams was a guy that that is not coming into the NFL draft was the guy that hasn't covered 
at the yeah. at the college level. You know, he was a guy that was in the in the box safety and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, okay, well, you know, what are the Bengals going to do with uh, with this kind of guy? And he, to be quite honest with you, the guy had like five interceptions last year. So yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy has turned his career around in his supposed weak spots. The guy has turned his career around in a in a really big way, but. I agree with kind of what you're saying, John, in, in terms of today's NFL landscape, what teams need, what, you know, uh, I mean, you look at the Rams and uh, Michael Roby, right? A kind of a tweener guy. They had Mark Barron, another guy who's been a tween guy, a tweener guy. You know, maybe, maybe that's where the league is heading. Maybe that's where the Bengals are heading in terms of, you know, they need to have these guys that, have the size of a bigger safety, but can tackle and cha- and and are able to play in space like some older linebackers. And um, right. you know that might be that might be where they're heading. We'll see. But great call from Terrell. We've got another call on the line from another regular John from Kentucky. John, how are you, sir? To talk to you guys again tonight. Yeah, good and, to have uh, you on, man. Yeah, I love your podcast, as always. You know, John Sheeran was talking a minute ago, something about China and communism. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought communism, let's see, communism started in Russia. Why did that start? Well, let's see, they had a royal family that had been in power for 300 years. Uh, let's just cut to the chase. It was time for, for them to go, okay? Now, I'm not a communist, but... The last czar they had was just making decisions on things he had no knowledge of. It was time for him to get lost. Anyway, we kind of had one in Cincinnati for 16 years, and it was just time (laughs) for the guy to go. That's kind of what I got out of that. So I am very confident in Zach Taylor, and if he doesn't do well, I agree. He won't be here 16 years. We'll move on from him and two or three years, who knows? I hope we don't end up like the Browns where we're, you know, kicking people out every other year. But at the same time, you know, the team is in nowhere near the condition it was when Dave Shula took over. We have our own stadium. We're not in trouble with the IRS. Paul Brown didn't just pass away on us. We're in pretty good shape. I think we're going to be fine. Well, that's, uh, and I got to tell you, normally from from other callers, I'd sit here and say like, uh, whatever, but you uh, have seen a lot with this franchise. You have seen, you have experienced a lot. You have, you have been through a lot with this franchise. So I would, uh, I, I take your word for it, uh, John. Before we we get you off the air here, um, your your take on Dre Kirkpatrick, and I don't know, I, I don't know how big of a social media guy you are, but your take on. Dre Kirkpatrick sticking up for a, a guy who I know, you know, in our in our conversations, a guy I know you who has been in your personal doghouse, a guy who stuck up for the Bengals franchise, a guy who stuck up for Bengals fans everywhere in terms of what Jeremy Hill recent some some recent Jeremy Hill remarks. Uh, I, I would be very interested to hear what you have to say about Dre Kirkpatrick on that regard. Well, first of all, I don't follow Drake or Patrick. He's not my favorite player. <laughs> I mean, on social media. 
Okay. Uh, okay. Well, basically, uh, Jeremy Hill, as you know, is on the Patriots and was injured. Um, I guess I got to educate you, John. Um, uh, and this is a good segue to another thing we're going to be talking about anyway, so it's good. But um, basically, Jeremy Hill, member of the Patriots, did not uh, did not play a meaningful snap with the, with New England. On his Instagram page, basically took a shot at Bengals fans saying, imagine being a Bengals fan today. Uh, while, while a yeah, video of it while he was obviously engaging in the Patriots um, uh, parade festivities and all that kind of stuff. And Drake Kirkpatrick fired back on the same social media platform saying, imagine uh, something, something to the effect of, I wouldn't want to win a championship trophy if I didn't play a meaningful snap. Yeah, exactly. And I haven't forgotten Jeremy Hill fumbling the ball <laughs> in the playoff game. Is that what it seems Nobody to be? Nobody has. referring to that? Nobody has. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Burfick just intercepted the ball. There's a minute and a half left. What does Jeremy Hill do? He gives it right back to Pittsburgh. Yep. Thanks a lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, and Hugh Jackson put him in. And Hill had been prone to fumbling all year. They benched him several times for that. Why you wouldn't trust Burkhead for such little time on the clock before you would Jeremy Hill? No, right. Burkhead or, or Bernard. Or Bernard, yeah. Or Bernard, exactly. Well, yeah. what just happened, the house cleaning that happened in Cincinnati should have happened after that game, and it should have happened after the Chargers game years before. Yep. So, uh, going back to the Zara Russia thing, it was just time for some people to go. Yeah. <laughs> you are, you know. are. 100% correct. Thanks, John. We're going to we're gonna get you off the air here. I appreciate you calling okay. in and listening as always, my friend. Uh, John from Kentucky, great call as always. And uh, as, a, as a history guy, like I mentioned earlier in the show, um, you, you got to love that. But this, we used to have a segment here, John, John from Sheeran clan, not John from Kentucky. Um, First of his name. Yeah, uh, we used to have, and, and I kind of wanted to do that this week, the hater of the week. And the hater of the week is Jeremy Hill of the Bengals. Um, and I could not believe, I mean, I kind of believe it, but at the same time, it's kind of like, dude, dude, move on. Like, I, I, unless, he's, unless he is still getting, unless there are some turd Bengal fans out there, and if you're listening to this program, yeah, I'll single you out if you're yeah. if you if you have the time to go on social media and dog Jeremy Hill for something that happened three years ago. Yes, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible moment in Bengals history. But if you have if you're sitting here using your free time to go dog a professional athlete about a screw up he did, then shame on you. I mean, right? But at the same time, shame on Jeremy Hill for <laughs> using a big platform that he has and instead of saying like hey it, he doesn't even need to mention the bangles he doesn't even need to talk about them and he's he basically gives them the middle finger and the fans the middle finger publicly on one of the biggest social media platforms there is yeah the, this finger hit for him wasn't wasn't busy enough he had to utilize this one too exactly it's just like i like i don't know if you follow kevin durant in, in the NBA and, and the things that he does, but every time I, I follow, not not Kev Durant, or, uh... <laughs> but like every time I see Durant tweet, I'm just like, "What are you doing?" And this is like, 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 like you, you like this, this is this is, this is preposterous. And what what you the 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 
the potential situation that, that that you describe is basically the only logical and reasonable explanation for why he would do this. He's he's looking at the five percent of Bengals fans who still taunt him about the fumble, who still have, draw. yeah, 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 and like he's he's using that, those five percent of fans and generalizing the entire fan base of doing so, and basically trying to dunk on all of us who, for the most part, haven't thought of Jeremy Hill since he left for the Patriots because. Uh, there's never been a, a less relevant Super Bowl winner than Jeremy Hill. He played four snaps during the regular season. He hasn't played since September, and like, re, re, and he's he's not even the best former Bengal on that roster. Rex Burke has been a valuable contributor for the past years to the Patriots, and that's I think that's also why Drake Patrick said congratulations, Rex Burke, on your Super Bowl championship. But honestly, just like like th- 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 this could not have possibly netted a positive outcome for anybody involved because it just triggered every Bengals fan who again, did not think of Jeremy Hill at all during during the Super Bowl or during the season in general and just triggered them into adding him and just egging him on and creating even more of a stirrup and more of a fire and just making the situation worse for them and just feeding Jeremy Hill exactly what he wanted. And that was, you know, obviously triggered Bengals fans who are reminded of the very thing that Jeremy Hill did. This is why people hate him and why, why some Bengals fans despise him, but not to the point where they were, for the most part, again, for the most part, Bengals fans did not engage Jeremy Hill that much on social media about what he did. They, they moved on from that point because it was just the time for him to move on. The, the expiration of his rookie contract, he just had had no value here anymore. Go make yourself with a good team of the Patriots. Like, there's no need to dance on a grave that was not stirring up anything in the first place other than just a handful of people on the side. If you're going to look at those few Bengals fans who enter your mentions about, you know, you know the the unfortunate act that you did as a, as a, as a, as a Bengals fan, as a member of the Bengals team back in 2015, that's fine. But don't lump every single one of us in, into the same yeah. thing and just and cause yourself to be dunked on by everybody who did not think twice about you. I, there, there are a couple things here that I, that made me – first of all, like you said, I kind of was like, oh, that's right. He's on the Patriots. I mean, I, got, I, honestly, I, was, I honestly forgot. I was like, oh. <laughs> there is a part of me that says, okay, why is New England so great at taking – Trash heap guys. And now, grant now, granted, Jeremy Hill didn't do much for this year's championship run, but there's Rex Burkhead, there's Devlin, the fullback, there is, uh, you know, they they grabbed Chad Johnson at one point. They had Corey Dillon at one point. They had Delph O'Neill after Delph O'Neill was was on the Bengals. They had Artrell Hawkins after that he was on the bank. They grabbed these guys that you know, have contributed elsewhere. They get them cheaper and they say, come in. And, and part of me is like, why does that team know how to do that? And nobody else knows how to do that. Right. I mean, it, I think, I think the spotlight is brighter because they're just constantly in the championship game. But at the same time, it's also they're in the championship game for practices like that. Right. Right. I think it's uh, uh, Sam Monson, who is one of the like main guys for PFF. I think he, he said something tremendous about, um, yeah, here we go. Uh, Bel- Bill Belichick's readiness versus every other coach is a fundamental approach thing. Most coaches have a system with various gra- 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 with various gradations of, of how successful that system is. Where they struggle is, is when the system gets stymied. Belichick has game plans. They're dynamic. And I think that's the main fundamental difference between Belichick and the 31 other head coaches. It, like People implement systems, and when the system needs to change, you know, it's, it's hard to change something so They're rigid. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not fluid. It's not liquid. Belichick and the reason why the Patriots have always been so good at countering every single team and every and eliminating everybody's you know strength is because they're so fluid and they can implement guys who kind of buy in 
to to the fluid game plan, and they always will be able to identify which player's strengths that they have and put them in the best possible situation. They will never run the same offense every like two weeks. And whenever you try to do something that's successful against them, they'll find a way to adapt because they don't have anything that they're committed to. So when so when they bring in these mid level guys, these cheap guys, then they and somehow they ended up being a lot better than what they're paid to do is because they find and identify the, the strengths that they have and they just work around that. And whatever they do on offense or defense is completely predicated upon the 11 guys who are on the field at, at that certain point in time. They can run a spread offense that they can go two by two in the shotgun. They can have Brady spread the ball around, or they can go in 21 person personnel against like they did against the Rams and just run it down your throat. It's all dependent upon who is available to them at the time because they can utilize anybody that they, that they want to because they're not tied down to anything. They're they so, so adaptive and able capable of evolving because they have a head coach that recognizes that things are so fast-paced and moving in the NFL and you need to have that mindset to essentially utilize what you have. And that's, I think, exactly why they can take the Jeremy Hills and the Rex Burkheads and you know whoever else they can grab off from the Browns roster, I guess, and just make them into quality players. Yeah, and I, I mean this. This feeds into a couple of listener questions we'll get to before we get um, before we get out of here. We we we're going long, but we started late, so um, you know we're, we've got a couple of questions we want to get to aside from the calls we got. But um, it, it's it, the Patriots are the NFL chameleons, right? I mean, there are yes. so many fads. There are so many fads. You know, everybody's oh, you know, multiple tight ends, multiple wide receivers, and you know the 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 safety cornerback, non linebacker defense, and all that kind of stuff. You know what? The Chiefs ran that stuff. The Rams ran that stuff. They put that stuff out there. They got a lot of attention for it, and rightfully so. But guess who won the Super Bowl? People that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, Tom Brady, guys who were able to figure out stuff with the people they had in the building and plans that with the people they had in the building to say, okay, run who you want out. We will do what we need to do and we'll beat you. Um, and that brings me kind of to, it's not necessarily a direct question that we received this week, but this is a question that I've seen a lot in Bengals forums on Twitter, on all kinds of stuff, John. I mean, uh, with, with with what Zach Taylor is bringing to the Bengals, does the Super Bowl loss and the performance of Goff, does that taint your view, or should it taint your view, of Taylor coming to Cincinnati and what he is potentially capable of doing with the Bengals? It should taint your view of Andy Dalton under Zach Taylor because by all intents and purposes, Jared Goff is a more talented version of Andy Dalton but they both have similar weaknesses where if you pressure them and if you force them to look beyond the certain amount of time where the ball needs to get out, they can get flustered and they can make bad decisions under pressure. And that's exactly what happened with the Patriots and, you know, how they did like the, like the pass rush wasn't tremendous for the Patriots against the Rams, but their coverage was outstanding and they were able to confuse golf. And there's only so much that a quarterback coach can do, especially when he's not the one talking into golf's, um, uh, helmet Mike uh, up until 15 seconds since the clock. That's that's McVay's responsibility. And that's what he's always done, and that's uh, that's, that's been an advantage against teams that aren't the Patriots, who aren't so adaptive on the fly and who don't identify, you know, a quarterback like Goff's weaknesses. But you know, people are, are talking about you know, can Zach Taylor elevate Andy Dalton? Well, 
Andy Dalton's 32 years old. He's basically gonna, he is what he is at this point, and he can get the maximum of what he is at this point, but he can't probably get him to go any further. And for people who think that, you know, if Jared, if Jared Goff can't, you know, score more than three points against the Patriots with that offense and that offensive line and those weapons around him, it's hard for me to believe that Andy Dalton could do such a thing because that's the goal, right? It, it is to beat the Patriots until the Patriots aren't the dominant team anymore. And with a quarterback like Andy Dalton, I don't think that's a likely scenario, even with a guy like Zach Taylor. And if he's bringing that same system with the Rams, like we just saw, it, it, it's not a it's not a perfect system because it's not the Patriots. And unless you have a quarterback like Mahomes or like a Drew Brees or someone who can elevate, you know, your surrounding talent, it's just really hard to do that because you have to you have to out Patriots the Patriots. And the only way that we've seen done that is if the quarterback just goes, you know, balls to the wall. If you have an Eli Manning or Nick Foles who can somehow out of the blue, you know, perform out of their minds, you know, if you have a quarterback like Andy Dalton, who's the worst playoff quarterback of all time, it's hard for me to see that happening. Even with a coach who will presumably bring in some offensive innovations that, that help the Rams get to that position. Right. Um, yeah, very well said. And I, my, my, my takeaway from this is, is the, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are the, whatever you, you know, if you hate them or whatever, the, the, the stats show, the amount of rings show that they are the greatest dynasty or coach quarterback tandem ever. Yeah. Ever. Um, now, how much longer they'll be do, they'll be doing it is up for debate. Um, my guess is probably within five years, I would say that one, if not both of those gentlemen, will probably hang it up. Um, my 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 point is is I look at it and I say, you know, I don't think this knocks Taylor. I don't think this knocks his prowess as a coach. I don't think any of that. My thing is, I don't, I, I just don't think there's someone, there is a, a, a couple in terms of a head coach quarterback out there or has, that has yet to be linked up that can beat them. I mean, I, it's just, that is the NFL landscape at this point. I mean, I, I, I don't, they're not winning it every year, but I mean, uh, what is it? Nine Super Bowls, six wins, something, something to that effect. I mean, it's uh, it's absurd. It is absurd what those what, what what those two have done, especially with sometimes the personnel that they have brought into the Super Bowl. I, I I mean, the fact of the matter is that it's going to take them retiring or some tandem better than them to be able to consistently compete in the AFC and co- consistently compete in, in the Super Bowl. And that is they've captured lightning in a bottle and good for them. Wonderful for the Patriots, but it, it, it's kind of a, an unfortunate reality and it's not a slight against Zach Taylor. It's an unfortunate reality that teams just aren't, uh, they don't have that there. They don't have that relationship, quarterback coach relationship that has, been able to net these amount of Super Bowls, they don't have that in their back pocket. No, and and you know Belichick is the mastermind behind the whole thing. He's the greatest head coach of all time. There's no question about it. But the uh, like we just talked about, you know, he doesn't. The Patriots don't have a system like other teams have a system, but they do have a, a network of, of of coaches and players that also bring that also form the whole thing together. Like 
Brady and McDaniels basically handle the offense and are able to, to change on a moment's notice. Dante Scarnesia, who's the offensive line coach, might be the greatest offensive line coach of all time. You wonder why Brady doesn't get doesn't ever get hit and why the Rams pass rush was nullified for most of the second half. It's because that they handle stunts and packages and can run any scheme uh, and run blocking because they're just so well coached with that. And then the like obviously Belichick handles the defense and and you know his defensive coordinators always seem to get promotions and whatnot. So there is a system and a level of cohesion and communication and connections without throughout the entire staff because they're minded by you know one you know spearhead in Belichick. And I think with with what Taylor was talking about in the introductory conference, it was clear communication, clear connections, clear cohesion throughout the entire staff, all be on the same page. That's kind of what you know. Uh, a, a, bridge, a bridge version of what the Patriots have in that. And I think that's very important for what Zach Taylor needs to build. He needs, you know, his, his offense needs to be on the same page and have a defense that is able to, you know, go, w- go with those similar philosophies and kind of all be on one cohesive page. And that's a part of it. But again, it's obviously Brady is Brady. You know, he's not the greatest thrower of the football of all time, but he, the way he reads the field and the way he communicates with, with, with McDaniels and the system that, that they've obviously instituted is second to none and how they can, consi- can consistently maintain drives. And it's, it's just part of the process, I guess. And that's, that's, that's the process that Taylor needs to try to emulate to the best of his ability and just bring in, you know, guys, players, coaches that will best work under the type of system that he wants to implement. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't think of another team who has done a better job of adapting to what their opponents do than the New England Patriots. Now, now the Patriots don't have the best roster, I don't think, in the league. No. They, they probably have the best coach and the best quarterback in the league. But what they do is they just adapt, adapt, adapt. I mean, if you, th- I, I saw briefly before we came on to the program tonight, um, I saw something that NFL Network was coming on. It was the old, God, I don't know, 2001 or I don't know when it was. It was the um, the Super Bowl where they played the Patriot, uh, the Panthers. And uh, it was with Jake DeLome, Steve Smith, Julius Peppers. I mean, there, there are a lot of guys on that team where you go, wow. And that team, the 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 Panthers team was very well-rounded, regardless of your thoughts of Jake DeLome. Um, very well-rounded. And it was a team that could put up points. It was a, key, a team that could do a lot of – they had Dan Morgan at linebacker, a good linebacker. I mean, they could do a lot of things well. Yeah. What did the Patriots do? They ended up just kind of basically outscoring them that game. And it mm-hmm. was a game that was like not really – Tom Brady threw a red zone interception. I mean, it, it was a game that was not pretty – but somehow they just keep doing it. And, I, you know, for, for those folks, those Bengals fans who are sitting here going, oh, this is a slight against Zach Taylor that, you know, his quarterback didn't play well. You know what? Yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, it's the Patriots. And we all got to deal with it until those guys are done. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's just kind of a reality of the league at this point. So um, that's – that's. Uh, I mean, I, I wish I had a better answer for it, but that's that's kind of where we're at. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We're going to do one more question before we get out of here. We've got a number of texts. We've got a number of questions in the YouTube chat. We appreciate it. This was an email question, um, and I wanted to get this uh, from Mohammed Alomer um, uh, saying, Greetings. I, I want to thank you guys for your show. I've been watching you for almost two years. I guess I'm your only fan from Saudi Arabia slash Scotland. Um, wow. Well, that's cool. Um, my first question is, we keep saying that we have so much talent on defense and so much of that talent got wasted. Do you agree that a priority high-level defensive coordinator is as important as a head coach? Um, and then do you think we need two new starters at linebacker this year? Uh, thanks for your email, Muhammad. I'm going to say this, and I'll let you uh, – my, my esteemed co-host here, John, is more of the film guru and – a little bit more of uh, he, he dives more in depth on that front than I do in terms of the position group. Um, I'm going to say this and kind of just basically what we talked about. Look, man, this is a quarterback head coach league. And you can sit here and say, hey, you know, the Rams did well because they had Wade Phillips as their defensive coordinator and established coach in this league. It's a league that is built on you got to get your quarterback and you got to get a head coach that your players gravitate to. That's what it is. And I would not be surprised if the Rams are consistently in the playoff picture over the next handful of years. And uh, I think the Bengals, to their credit, recognize the fact that this is a, a, a team that needed a change at head coach. I don't know if that means a change at quarterback. It could be coming, but that's what this league is. And um, I think the Bengals probably need an absolute overhaul at linebacker, especially with Marvin Lewis gone, a linebacker guru. But I'll let you talk about both those questions, John. Yeah. Um, you look at McVay and his early success, and, you know, he's obviously leaned a lot because he, he runs the offense and he, he puts the entire defense in Wade Phillips' hand. Wade Phillips is one of the very best defensive coordinators of, of the you know, this generation. And, you know, at, like, like to, to Anthony's point, the, the top four scoring offenses in the NFL ended up going to the AFC and NFC championship games. Scoring matters, and that's the only thing that matters. But also, if you don't have one of those top-tier offenses, you're going to need your defense to play probably a little better than what the Bengals defense put out in 2018. So, yeah, um, having that defense coordinator that a young head coach can – young offensive head coach can lean on is to – is crucial in its own right and getting that hired will matter to maximize, you know, some of these young guys who are going to try to, you know, take, take over for eventually when Geno Atkins and Carlson that, you know, leave the team for, for their respective reasons. So yeah, getting, getting the, the, the defensive coordinator hire is important, especially when you can't 
put up 30 points a game, and I don't think the Bengals offense will be able to do that in 2019 unless some major changes happen. And with the linebacker group, yeah, if one of those starters that we're talking about is Monsters Perfect, I mean, he's obviously did not start and probably not be on the team. Nick Vigil's a, a different story, I think, because I think there is still something there. It's not something great, maybe not even something good, but something that you can – at least, you know, tried out there to count on for a couple hundred snaps. You know, he wasn't completely healthy this year, and I think if he was, he would have had a little bit more to offer. But, you know, like Anthony said, a major, a major overhaul at that position needs to happen specifically with the depth that they have there. Vincent Bray probably needs to go. Hardy Nickerson definitely, definitely, definitely needs to go. Blake Jefferson needs to be given a chance to play significant snaps. They need at least another draft pick and a, and a quality free agent signing there to kind of – get that position level to some form of competency because it was just amongst the very worst in the NFL. And when you have a defensive line that like the Bengals last year, couldn't consistently create pressure. And then you have a scheme that opens the middle of the field so much like the Bengals defense does, then you're going to ha- you're going to be reliant on those linebackers and coverage to make open field tackles. And that was the two areas that the Bengals were just crap at. And, and unless they can just, you know, the, the, the whoever, leads that defense and as a coordinator will probably implement a more linebacker friendly scheme and coverage and whatnot, but they definitely need just some more talent because there's just nothing resembling that there right now. Yeah. And uh, you know, that goes back to, I think it was, uh, I think it was Terrell's call on our show talking about Sean Williams and, you know, is he almost a linebacker type of type of guy, you know, it, it, you got to have those capable guys in space. Um it is what it is, but uh, yeah, the Bengals need an overhaul at that at that position. I mean, but I still go back to I, I waver on you know an elite defensive coordinator or um, you know I mean I don't know if a lot of people would sit here and say Gary Kubiak is a is an elite coach, but he won a Super Bowl with. Um, you know, uh, no, with, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he won a Super Bowl with some revolving parts at defensive coordinator, and then you know you've seen what you saw this year I, with, with the two teams in the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't, you know, Wade Phillips has been a head coach in this league and has been to at mixed results as a head coach at best. Um, so, to me. It's get your head coach and get your quarterback. That's what it's all always about. All you, can get, you can you can get your your great supporting staff like McVay did in a Wade Phillips and all that stuff. But and that's probably something that that Zach Taylor is going to em, try and emulate. But at the same time, it's kind of like I, I don't know, man. Like if, if if you're the guy and you got a quarter, you've got your quarterback, then I, you're set. You're set. I mean, that's that's, that's what this Go league is built on, and that is that is what this Super Bowl taught us. I think is coach, quarterback, you're going to win. I mean, that's uh, that's what it is. And uh, you know, unfortunately, some of us who are not Patriots fans or followers of the Patriots probably have to wait until certain people retire for that torch to be passed. But that that is what it is. Uh, this is the black game, better Bengals. What's that? Andy Dalton's not that quarterback. Go on. He's not. The, he's not that quarterback. He is not. No. Unfortunately, I wish. I, I. I wish I could say he. He was, but he is not that quarterback. 
This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sharon. I'm Anthony Cazenza. You can get this show on Stitcher, on Google Play, on iTunes, on YouTube, and cincyjungle.com, as well as Megaphone. Um, we appreciate all of the support that you have shown this show, especially as of recently. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed our recent interview with Tyler Boyd. Check that out if you have not done so already. We are going to get out of here, though, because we've gone uh, a little long this week and we started late. But uh, I'm going to kick it over to my my co-host if he has any final thoughts for this week. Uh, yeah, Aubrey Pleasant is better than Don Capers. So I hope that, hope that comes through. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm very interested to see who becomes the defensive line and linebackers coach. I would imagine there's probably some Zach Taylor connections that I need to connect the dots with. But, you know, hopefully that happens before we come back here next Wednesday and we can get this full coaching staff on the reps. Yeah, and it seems uh, I, I did put this on the, bank, the uh, Orange and Black Insider podcast feed, but it seems as if – Ben Martin is going to be the team's uh, some sort of assistant coach. This is an offensive line. Well, yeah, and James Casey um, will probably be coaching the tight ends group. Um, ironically, for those who remember, James Casey was actually brought in for a visit uh, a handful of years ago by the Bengals. Um, and he torched them in the playoffs when he was with the Texans. Yeah, he's kind no, of an eight well, guy. Different. Yeah, he, he didn't torch him. His own Daniels did that, but I think he he played for the Texans during then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he he's kind of an H back guy, different guy. But um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hey, whatever. I mean, I I was a fan of uh, the Hayes brothers. I thought they did some good work with the Bengals. But time to move in a new direction, and I think that uh, that Casey could could provide a, a good spark there. So that that's just a little bit of an update there. But um, yeah, more things to come. Uh, the combine is just around the corner for the for the Cincinnati Bengals and every team in the NFL. I don't know if my colleague John Sharon will be going to that event or not, like he did with the Senior Bowl, but uh, he's not. No, okay. no. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we'll try and get uh, maybe some people from from. Indianapolis on the program and whatnot. But uh, at any rate, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading the program. And uh, we'll try and uh, get some, get some interviews and all kinds of different stuff coming up here on the, on the program for you. But uh, we appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate all the support, like I said, and uh, Hey, new, new era in Cincinnati officially coming in with Zach Taylor and his regime some hires will probably be liked. Some will not. We'll see. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He's John Sharon. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, and we'll see you next time.